Welcome back to the 93rd episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some stories all about this new poll that came out describing how Americans feel about patriotism, how they feel about religion, and a whole bunch of other topics. And then a few different articles that kind of branch off from that. And we're going to have a discussion about the values of America and why they shifted and what are the causes of that shift. And, of course, we will end today with our daily delight, a story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, it's enough rambling from me. Let's jump to our daily debate. So what do you value? You know, it's a pretty simple question that can really tell a lot about you when you answer it. When determining what society values, the implications of what the values are are very far-reaching and impact a lot of people and also say a lot about the society. So if you were the ultimate dictator of the world, of your own society, actually, what would you want your citizens to value most? Money, kindness, loyalty, etc.? I want to know, so throw it down in the comment section. I want to see what people say. And with that out of the way, let's jump to our first article that comes from Daily Costs. Poll finds steep declines in how Americans value patriotism, religion, and parenting. So, like I mentioned at the top, this is a Wall Street Journal poll. And... There's been a lot of commentary that has come out around what is going on here. And there are a few other polls that we'll discuss later that kind of support or maybe even argue against some of the research presented here in this poll. But let's give you a a quick rundown of what it actually said. Quote, the poll conducted by NORC at the University of Chicago found cliff-like declines over the past couple of decades in how Americans describe patriotism and religion as very important to them. While 70% of adults view patriotism that way in 1998, and 62% said the same about religion. Today, just 38% of respondents called patriotism very important, and 39% said the same about religion. So that's a 42% decrease in patriotism and it's a 21 23 decline in religion so what are they actually saying they're saying that the people that valued it at the tip of the top very important to their lives and they actually cared deeply or they had strong feelings about the subject or they felt very patriotic or they felt religion was very important to them then that category has indeed shrunk. Now, of course, if we were to look at the entire study, because of course that's a flashy headline, if we were to look at the entire story, we would notice that overall the population still says that it's important or very important, the top two categories, more of the population is within that segment than the lower half, which would say not important or not very not important. So, of course, you know, they're still in that upper upper percentile. They're still saying patriotism is important to some degree, maybe not very important, and same 
with religion in parenting, but it does speak to the fact that it's not very important. It's not at the tippy top of their list anymore. And if you want to know the only category that actually went up in the very important segment, it's money, which is very, very interesting. And as we'll explore a little bit later, I think that actually makes sense. But we're going to talk about some of the other driving factors. Quote, these differences are so dramatic. It paints a new and surprising portrait of the changing America, remarked Bill Munterf, a pollster who worked on a previous journal survey that measured similar attitudes. Quote, perhaps the toll of our political division, COVID, and the lowest economic confidence in decades is having a startling effect on our core values, end quote. Uncertainly driven by COVID-19 and the economy has undoubtedly played into a reordering of American values. So let's pause there for a second. I could see, I could see an argument uh, for money, in this case, going up, because, of course, in times when things are very unsure, we don't know what the future looks like, or you as an individual don't know what your future looks like, you would value money more because you want to be able to ensure that you're going to make it through your next meal, you're able to pay for your family's expenses, you're able to keep your house, these sort of things. So of course it makes sense that money would float to the top. But why would these factors lead to declines in patriotism and a lowering in the amount of people that participate or believe religion is important? or even parenting, and I think the political divisiveness really can speak to, or could be a supporting argument for parenting. A lot of parents don't necessarily want to, or people don't want to bring up their kid in a country where they see the other side as the enemy, and oh, if Democrats get in, then there's going to be a whole bunch of policies that are bad for my kids, or if Republicans get in, there are a whole bunch of policies that are going to be bad for my kid. So this unstableness gives people fear about bringing kids into the world. And then also, don't forget the climate crisis. I mean, if you are a person who believes the climate crisis is as bad as some people say it is, then of course you're not going to want to bring kids into this world. That makes sense. Why would you subject them to a world that is doomed to fail? Why would you do that before you could possibly fix it, You know, be an activist in the time that you're young, and then by the time you feel you've made enough of an impact that it would be okay to bring kids into this world, you're a little bit older. So I could see that as part of the playing into the parenting aspect. And COVID, I mean, if you're on the right side of the aisle, you don't necessarily trust the government after COVID. You feel they abused their power. And if you're on the left side of the aisle, then you probably have a little bit less faith in the people uh, around you who didn't necessarily do exactly what you thought was necessary. And yes, I'm making gross generalizations here, but I'm trying to at least point to a few of the, the trace factors that could play a role here. But then again, it obviously is more nuanced than just one thing or another. So I'll continue with the quote. Quote, the poll found that money was the only priority that had grown in importance in the last 25 years, up from 31% in 1998 to 43% now. Economic uncertainty and the inability of young people to achieve basic milestones, such as getting married and buying a house, will likely have played a role in de-emphasizing how people value parenting and having children. 
which fell from 59% of adults calling it very important in 1998 to half as many, 30%, say that now, end quote. And this is also true. The economic factors push back marriages. People don't necessarily want to get involved in these marriages until they feel secure. And then that means that it pushes back when you get married, therefore pushing back when you have kids, meaning you can have less kids. If you feel less economically stable, you want to work harder at your job, get in a better position before you have kids because you don't feel that it's fair to bring them into a world where they're not going to be properly supported. I've heard this argument many times from different people, and it is something that needs to be considered. Also, though, we should take a step back, and as I was reading an article a few months ago, actually getting engaged in a family unit being, at least for the male side of it, I can't speak to the statistics on women because this article didn't discuss it, but for a male it actually gives them a sense of purpose. Rather than believing that they're only out for their own good or their own good and their partner's good, when you take responsibility, jump into a relationship or a marriage, not only does income per the household actually go up, but also it forces the man to realize, okay, now I'm not just supporting myself and I'm not just supporting my girlfriend. I'm trying to support a family. It gives a man a drive, a sense that I need to work harder, I need to make more money, I need to push for that promotion, because I have mouths to feed. I can't just be satisfied with where I'm at. I have to be progressing. And of course, there was some anecdotal evidence, and I wish I had the statistics here in front of me. So if I can, I will try to link that old article down below in the description. But it really does speak to the fact that people have it a little bit wrong. You know, marriage isn't for everybody, and just because the statistics show that it's more likely that when a family unit is created, a.k.a. two people come together and get married, that they're more likely to strive to make a little bit more money because they realize it's no longer about them. That doesn't necessarily mean that people are actually thinking that way. They're thinking, I want to be secure before I even get into this marriage. I want to be independently secure so I can bring something to this marriage and ensure that when we do have kids, they'll be supported, which is also a fair thought process. But that doesn't mean that's necessarily bared out by the data. So we can see how this economic, or at least that's how the daily kiosk is coming at it, these economic factors can actually have a huge impact on some of the other factors. But there is a difference in age group as well, which is probably not surprising. So, quote, indeed, the yawning gap between how young Americans and old Americans view patriotism shows a deep erosion over the past quarter century in embracing of the term, with just 23% of adults under 30 today saying patriotism is very important to them personally, while 59% of their 65-plus counterparts call it very important. The poll found a similar, if less pronounced, divide between young and old adults' views of religion today, with 31% of sub-30 voters viewing religion as very important, compared to 55% of 65-plus voters. Just 23% of adults under the age of 30 said having children was very important. So let's take a step back. There's a lot of information there. That means that there is a 26% gap between adults under 30 
and adults over 65 in their view of patriotism. That is massive. That is two generations apart, practically. And we've had a drop-off of 26%. If you're looking at religion, that's a drop of 24% between those two age groups. And then this, this really interesting fact, 23% of adults under the age of 30 said having kids was very important. And you know, I want us to take a step back and really think about the implications of that. If we are not, as a nation, creating at least, at least as many kids as there are deaths in the United States, we're eroding our tax base. The pyramid, the population pyramid, which you probably all know, is shrinking at the bottom. That means that in the future, there will be less younger people to support more old people. Yes, you've heard this a thousand times. This is a very dangerous downward sloping trend because once, if I were to have one kid and then my one kid was to have one kid, what's the math there? It takes two, me and my wife, me and my partner, to have one kid. It takes him or her and their wife to have one kid. So for two people, the sole product of that interaction from a birthing perspective is one. So you're divide, every generation you're dividing by half if that's consistent and everybody's just having one kid. Now imagine you have two partners who are taken off the market who are married or partners for life and now they have zero kids. You can see how this is a very quickly downward sloping trend. So I would say that we should probably, if we're going to address anything, patriotism is of course very important. And if you're more patriotic, then maybe you could extrapolate, oh yeah, I, I believe in America and I want my kids to be able to grow up in the safest, best, most democratic country in the world. And then you'd be more willing to have kids. But I think there's a little bit more there. I think actually all of these tie into each other very nicely. Without religion at the core of American society, you have less people believing that they need to spread their religion, that they need to have a family, be fathers and mothers, and support the country and community that way. If you're less patriotic, you don't necessarily see having kids as a duty to your country, because to some degree it actually is. And if you're not willing to have kids, then you're also going to be less patriotic, because if you don't... Oh, that's a... Actually, that's a big leap. That's an assumption. But I would say that there could be a very good argument made that if for some reason you don't want to have kids in America because you think it's a bad place or that it doesn't stand up to its values, then they could be correlated. I, don't, I should have been very careful to say that they're actually directly connected, but they could very well be correlated. So all of these really do play into each other in a very clever way. And there's another study that came out recently that speaks to part of what's going on here. So this one is from the Daily Signal. Does research point to spiritual crisis as possible cause of teen mental health crisis? So this survey that the Daily Signal is analyzing comes from the CDC. Quote, in 2021, 57% of high school female students reported a persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness, an increase from 36% in 2019 to 
in 2011. So let's pause. That is a 21% increase in the span of 10 years. That's insane. Quote, among LGBTQ plus youth in 2021, the number was a startling 69%. And 29% of males reported such feelings in 2021, an increase from 21% in 2011. So we'll pause again. That's an 8% increase, and they don't have statistics for the LGBTQ plus community in 2011. So before we keep going, let's take it back one more time. We have a 21% increase in feelings of sadness or hopelessness among high school females. Among high school males, the increase is 8% during the same time frame. That is not good. As a society, we do not want our young ones constantly feeling sad and hopeless, obviously. We don't want anybody to feel that way, if possible, even though it's a reality. Life can be sad and hopeless at some times, but we grow stronger. We come out of it, and I hope that's what a lot of these students do. But these numbers are very scary because they're increasing at such a rapid rate. If people, when they're young, don't have hope for the future, if they're utterly sad, they haven't had enough life experience to understand yet necessarily that these things happen, that they are a reality of life. You can't always be happy. Sometimes you are a little bit hopeless, but you have to come out the other side. They haven't had enough life experience to understand that, and maybe they will do drastic things to re remedy their situation. And if these numbers continue to go up, then we'll have less people aspiring to be better, aspiring for the future, trying to press the envelope and innovate, become a valuable member of society. So you can see how this is an issue. Quote, the report attributes the problem to several reasons like social media, pandemic-related isolation, and political turmoil. Social media certainly plays a large role in the decline in teen mental health. But what can improve these statistics and get kids off the internet and into meaningful relationships? End quote. And this is really, you can see the little flip that Daily Signal does there. They are going to propose, and I'll read you right here in the next quote. They're going to propose that it's religion. And while I don't, while I don't disagree that religion can be very important, I, we are going to make a few distinguishing arguments. And we're going to talk more about the roots of religion and the aspects of religion that allow for meaning rather than just saying it is religion by itself. So the basically, let's talk about the positive effects of community through the lens of what Daily Signal is saying. Quote, for example, Gallup's research confirms the correlation between an individual's personal religiosity and various measures of well-being, happiness, and mental, and in some instances, physical health. Yet, church attendance has plummeted in the U.S. for decades, with the steepest decline since 2000. More and more parents are raising their children in secular home environments. From 2000 to 2020 alone, church membership among married adults dropped 13%. A staggering 26% fewer U.S. adults belong to a church today than in the 1940s. In 2021, 29% self-described as having no religion, according to a Pew Research Center. Humans are social beings, and they find that their place through people and institutions around them, end quote. So let's be clear. 
there is a difference there. Daily Signal is adding that last piece on there, and they kind of make it sound like the Pew Research Center was saying it. There is a period there. So they're trying to say, yes, people gain meaning or purpose through having people and institutions around them that allow them to collaborate with their neighbors, give back to their community, feel like there is a greater purpose in their lives. And church, of course, does offer this. And the article really does highlight, and I'm not going to read you all the quotes from it, because they just repeat the same thing, that church people that attend church feel like they have a purpose, they feel like they're speaking to a higher mandate, so to speak. But I don't necessarily think that is necessary. I think it's very important. As a person that's religious myself, I believe that at the end of the day, accepting that you are a small piece of God's plan while also acknowledging that you inherently have value because you were created by him, I think that's a very powerful message. But a lot of people can't necessarily wrap their heads around that or they don't necessarily believe in the same way. But the underlying thing that the author is getting at here is that community is important. And if you noticed, one of the main things that the author talks about is political turmoil, pandemic-related isolation, and social media use. Well, social media, you're not actually interacting with your friends in person half the time. You're just interacting with people online. And even when you are with your friends, you're scrolling through social media in your own little world. Obviously, you were isolated. People were isolated during the pandemic, so you're not part of that community. You're not actively reaching out. And, of course, political turmoil, you don't feel like you're part of a grand community anymore. Rather than saying we're all Americans, now, oh no, we're Democrats or Republicans. We're being put into boxes of our own volition or just through the natural process of division between these groups. And you feel less connected with some of your friends. Some people even cut off friends because of political division. They're, oh, you're a Democrat. Oh, you're a Republican. No, we, we can't be friends. You're on the opposite side of the aisle with me. And this limits the amount of communities people can have. And maybe that's why they feel a little bit more hopeless and sad. And also, if you think back to the percentage of people that are patriotic and view it as very important to be patriotic, this overwhelming national identity, we are all American. There's something extremely beautiful about that at its root. And it makes you feel like you can go talk to anybody and we're still Americans. We all live in America. We all want the American dream. And obviously that's very idealistic. I'm not denying that. There are, of course, many different visions of the American dream. And people are, of course, different. And just because we're all American doesn't mean that we're all going to say him, ha, hooray and go pray together. But it does speak to the fact that there's a group identity. You feel like you're part of something larger, and that can replace God in some cases. Does it mean it's the most healthy way to do it? No, but if you believe that you are a small part of something larger, that your life is leading to the prospering of your nation, that you go into your 9-to-5 job, that may be a little bit sad, may be a little bit disheartening, but because you're adding to the system, you're doing something valuable at your job, you're ensuring that your company thrives, they can create more jobs, other people will be able to get jobs, then they'll be taxed, the government can operate because of it. 
and you're helping the American system, that can give you a little bit of purpose. It doesn't make you feel as hopeless. It makes you feel like you are actually contributing something meaningful. And some people would, of course, disagree with that. But it's a little trick that we very often pull on ourselves. And I'm not saying that it's not meaningful because you know that's up to each person to decide. But even that small moment of believing that you have a meaningful purpose, you have something that you're adding to a larger movement, a larger cause, it can be very relieving. Think of climate activists. They are not necessarily, they're hopeless. They see the future and they don't necessarily like what they see. Rather than sitting there and being truly hopeless and sitting and doing nothing and just accepting that what they do can't matter and being nihilistic, they go out and they choose to be an active participant in a movement, to give their efforts and their works to a group that is trying to change the outcome. So what I'm getting at here is being a small part of a larger whole whether it be a church community, whether it be your local township, whether it be your nation, these can be things that provide meaning and purpose. And that's what some of these young kids are lacking. And I think that's what this survey from the University of Chicago is highlighting. And then when you look at it in tandem with the other information that we were talking about in the first article, it really highlights something a little bit deeper going on rather than just some of the reported effects or causes here, like social media, pandemic-related isolation, and political turmoil. There's actually a deeper tie here that I really wanted to point out, and that's why I had these two articles shaped and linked in the way that I did them today. And, of course, there, you know, there's benefit beyond... So, you know, I just went on a long rant, and there's benefit of being something larger. But let's hear Daily Signal's argument as from a religious perspective. Quote, sincere belief in one's identity as a child of God is a powerful source of identity, one that makes of today's youth, many of today's youth don't have. At an age when big questions about identity begin to surface, American culture tells teens to define their own. Their lack of religious foundation leaves today's youth more vulnerable to confusion and suffering. So we'll pause there for a second. So rather than saying, you're an American, and you can live up to the American dream however you want to. Ah, you are a Minnesotan, a strong, blue-blooded Minnesotan who's going to work hard and do this. Oh, you're a strong Virginian. It's not, oh, no, no, we're not going to put any labels on you. We're not going to say that you're part of this larger community. You define yourself. And that can be very stressful, anxious for teens because they don't know what they want at that age. I'll be honest now, I know a lot of what I want in my life at 22, 23, but that doesn't mean I know everything. I haven't experienced everything. And a few years ago, if you had asked me what you want to do with your life, I would have had no idea. So if I have no idea about what I want to do, then how can I form an identity around it? How do I know who I am if I'm not even able to determine what I want to do or vice versa? How do you determine what you want to do until you know who you are? And to tell these kids that you can just define yourself at the ripe old age of 13, that you, you can make your own identity, it's confusing because they don't have those answers yet. 
maybe by the time they're 25, they've moved on, they've had more experiences, they know themselves a little bit better, sure. But at that age, it's really hard to truly know what you want, who you are as an individual, because you have to go through life, you have to experience different stressors, you have to push back, you have to be questioned, you have to make sure that you believe what you believe, or maybe you get questioned during class and you actually have to step back and say, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Does that argument appeal to me a little bit more? And then you constantly are rebuilding yourself. And once you're really set in your ways, then you can say, I am this, that, or the other. This is my identity, so to speak. But it's a lot of pressure for these kids. And what religion does is it provides a simple structure. Even if it doesn't tell you exactly who you are, it says that on a base level, you are a child of God. You are valuable because you are a child of God. And then you can grow that from there. So that's what the Daily Signal is getting at here. So then let's talk about the negatives of social media, because that is a big part of what this article likes to highlight. And of course, it is a very important discussion. I just didn't want to highlight it as much because I feel like there are other underlying issues that I wanted to connect to the first article a little bit more. Quote, social media usage has risen precipitously since the early 2010s. According to the CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Survey, persistent sadness and hopelessness climbed each year in the same time span. Research often shows girls tend to suffer more social media from than boys, which corresponds to the survey. If anyone thought the digital world was helping kids thrive, the survey shows that it can potentially be leading to their ruin. The online world cannot replace active involvement in a local church when it comes to the mental and emotional health of teens. This survey sheds light on the urgent situation facing today's high schoolers, end quote. And I do agree. You can't replace going out with your family and going on a hike and interacting with different friend groups, maybe. You can't replace that with a social media friend group who talks about hiking. They're not the same thing. Now, does both do both situations have some benefit? Sure. If you want to talk about hiking with your friends online and then actually put some of those things into practice in the real world, sure. But you can't rely and basically export the idea of the experience. You can't just look at hiking videos and say, oh, yes, I love hiking. No, you actually have to go hiking to enjoy hiking. And what I'm trying to really get at here is a lot of people go through social media, they look through what other people are doing, they fall in love with topics, and they get sucked in, and they say, well, I love this thing, but they never actually go out and do that thing. They never go out and be a part of the actual community, they're just part of an online community. And that's not as satisfying, it doesn't bring you as much joy. And sometimes you can be a little bit envious online too, which isn't good for teens, but that's, that's a different subject. And we'll probably get to that on a different date. But we've gone through a lot here. We've really tackled two different sides of it. And I wanted to show the through line between all of this. And also, I think this article speaks to the fact that if these kids grow up and they're still sad and hopeless, then I think it will have an even worse effect on the statistics that we talked about at the beginning. If they are less hopeful about the world and their country, they're not going to be as patriotic. If they're less hopeful about the world and the country, they are probably not a people that will have children. They're not people that go to church. So we can see that 
both of these are related. And in the future, I wouldn't be surprised if these statistics continue to go down when it comes to how people view patriotism, parenting, religion. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go down in the future. And let's just see. I hope that's not the case. I hope this hopelessness and sadness is just a temporary thing. And these kids can learn from it and grow and get past it. But we'll have to see. And I wish all these kids that feel this way luck in their situation. I hope that you can understand that you are valuable. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And when you push through and come out the other side and look back on the situation, you'll learn a lot about yourself. And it will actually be very empowering. That's all I'll say on that. Let's jump to our daily delight. This one comes from the Animal Rescue site. Sweet puppy attempts to win the heart of disinterested cat. So have you ever tried to get a grumpy or uptight person to play along and, you know, kind of let loose? Or, I mean, maybe you were the grumpy person being poked and prodded. But either way, this dynamic is one that's not really exclusive to humans. Quote, one sweet viral video, you can see an adorable puppy interacting with a disinterested cat. The cat doesn't seem so sure about being friends with the puppy, but the tiny dog is determined to win her over. In the video, the cat is introduced to a whole litter of tiny puppies, but one dog in particular tries to get her attention, end quote. And you know, the cat really remains persistent and really strong-willed here, but it kind of does accept its situation by the end. Quote, while the cat doesn't look thrilled about being around the enthusiastic puppy, by the end of the video, she seems to have accepted her fate and tolerates the puppy's presence, end quote. And if you want to see any of the cute photos or videos from this article or read any of today's other articles, there'll be a link in the description below that like and subscribe button. Also down there, you can find the link to the podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Podvine, where you can download it and listen to it on the go. And there will be a link to the Twitter handle, at your daily flip, where you can find the links on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, directly to the YouTube video. And with all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.